Hello, hello, what's going on? This is David DeVore with the What If We Could show, uh, where every week we are asking that burning question uh, in regards to artificial intelligence and tech alpha and the new things on the scene. Um, and so with me today, I have Calvin and I've got Kevin. Our other partner, Bob, is deep into the code. And so uh, you got us and we're thrilled to be here. And so we've got um, a bunch of list of really interesting topics, all sort of around the topic of ethics and trust and the dilemma that artificial intelligence places um, for us humans uh, in terms of how uh, how we operate in this new world and what is appropriate and what's not appropriate and uh, and how do we build trust uh, in machines. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, watermarks and content. We're gonna talk about deep fakes and digital uh, deception. We're also gonna talk about uh, human forgiveness and how it's a little bit easier to forgive humans than it is to forgive robots. Um, and so so let's dive in. So the first thing that uh, out this week that was interesting was uh, OpenAI. Uh, basically introduced watermarks on Dolly uh, 3 as outputs um, to basically ensure uh, a, a mark of provenance and trustworthiness on content that was coming out. At the same time, uh, Meta did something similar, which uh, in order to enhance transparency, which was a new policy around detecting tools and labeling uh, content that had been generated with 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 ai um and so it's it's pretty interesting i mean i think part of the thing to keep in mind here is that and so the way that the watermarks work right this is not a watermark that you can see this is this is a watermark that these are these are literally pixels within pixels that a machine sees uh, but the human eye doesn't pick up so it's not it's not like hey here's your logo on a on a video it, it you know here's the meta logo on a video it's like hey it's just an image of a beach um but somewhere in there is some pixels that tell the machines that this thing is special and those pixels have a have a cipher for um a a, num a, a bunch of information in terms of where the where the image of the video originated and, and so forth um the one of the interesting things is that it's not in, infallible right like somebody could come along pick pick up one of these images, run it through another AI to clean out the watermarks. And basically the one, now the watermarks are gone. So it's really interesting because like, there's no real great solution. Like there's no like perfect solution for how we actually take content and give it a source of, of, of provenance uh, and say, this is the thing. Um, and while watermarks are a start, it, 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 you know, it's, 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 it, it feels like it is a band-aid to an underlying problem, um, which is like no content is safe anymore. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It, it almost reminds me of sort of, you know, when, when NFTs got around and the, you know, yeah, I can just screenshot it, um, kind of debate started, right? Where you're like, you yeah. know, what's the provenance worth and I can just screenshot it. And OpenAI is right exactly click, save the problem, as. right? Yeah, yeah. apparently, like, I, I think there was a lot of discussion about it. We don't, we don't know the details yet, but right, there's, 
that you could just screenshot it and then it would be gone. And would that, and there was a lot of discussion if bringing these watermarks into AI images would actually make it less trustworthy. I, there was a, an interesting opinion article that I stumbled upon is because basically now, where do you land, right? Now you think you can rely on the fact whether you know or not, whether this is AI generated, but you really don't, right? Because as soon as it's, it's a screenshot, you, you don't. And so now you're kind of in this new web where you are underlying this false trust of thinking that you know you can trust it where you actually cannot. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a, really, it's a really thin line when you don't actually achieve true provenance, but you're kind of giving the perception of doing so. Is mm-hmm. that better or worse for like the public trust in terms of AI-generated images? It's a really interesting, complex topic there. Can, can I pose a question? Of why is this? I'm 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 playing along here, right? Why is this such a big issue now? Fakes have been around for hundreds of years of images, right? That that all of a sudden now we're concerned about how do we how do we ensure when we look at an image that it is truly the real image and that it is been authenticated? You know, we, we've used our human eyes to and judgment to determine that that to date um i'm asking the question you know, the obvious answer here, here is because content generation is now going to see a hundred and a thousand and a ten thousand x fold of additional image content getting ready to be in front of everyone's eyeballs and the level of effort required to make something that didn't exist before is also dropping to the floor right so to to make ronald reagan writing on a, a, a T-Rex took like some Photoshop skill at some point. Now it takes saying that sentence. So, so that's, you know, the, the why, but why are we trying to use the same, why, why are we trying to use the visual methods to verify visual content just like we have been for a hundred, 200 years? Like, why are we still using that same method is what I'm trying to ask, right? But, mm. uh, respectively, like a watermark is still just a visual method to do the same thing we've been trying to do for a hundred years is say, is that image real or not? What, why not a different way? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, um, the, the fangs, right. So, you know, face, fa- Facebook, Amazon, Google, uh, they're under, under a lot of pressure, right. They're sort of under like all of this, they're sort of under all of this, um, uh, cultural pressure, which is also political pressure to basically like protect us right uh like you know mark protect me right and um and so consequently like even if it's not a solution they at least have to like come out and uh feign that they have a solution right they like even even if like they sort of know like yes only get us so far they at least have to have the like PR machine on that they are uh, on top of it. Right. Cause you know, last thing, like, you know, last thing they want to do is end up in some, you know, Senate subcommittee. <laughs> again, 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 you, again. You, yeah. like, and, you know, you, you, you're, you're, yeah, your, your, your platform interrupted an election, you know, by allowing mm-hmm. this content to exist and proliferate on it, right? And um, so, it, yeah, it 
and then the other side of it, I mean, so that's one side of it is like, okay, well, fake news. And then the other side of it is, is really more along the lines of, uh, really more along the lines of, um, like IP, right? Like, oh, you're using Morgan Freeman's voice, right? (laughs) Without paying him. Or you're using, you know, you're using Joe Biden to like, you know, turn people off from, from, you know, showing up at the polls. Right. Um, and they're, they're related at the end of the day. It's like, well, you know, and it's interesting. I I saw this thread in LinkedIn where they were talking about, they're specifically talking about voice. They were talking about, and they, they were, they were talking about, well, hold on. So as an employee, uh, if you, you know, you, you, let's say you're on you know, customer success and, and the business decides to, you know, produce, um, a avatar of you to answer customer questions in your voice, do they own that? Do you forever, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what they want to do, you know, and so, um, without, without paying you, right. Uh, yeah. So it's it's interesting, you know. Do they own your do they do they own your synthetic avatar forever without without paying you? I mean, this is the same the same argument that was going on in in you know so the same argument that was going on uh, in in Hollywood with the with the strike, right? And it's like these are these are big, uh, complex ethical questions. Right. Yeah, um, it's almost and, it's almost like we're evading the answers for the for the more complex questions by you know using using like you said a watermark solution that effectively doesn't do much to the actual problem. Right. Like if we're if we're looking sure. at right IP rights or anything else, like we've always enf- enforced that through you know lawyers, legal rights, c- contracts. Right. I mean all all other ways than than the actual tech. Right. That the tech has done almost zero to prevent any of that. Um, whereas there are some real issues as in it is, you know, the, the web is getting flooded by that content and there is a need to kind of figure out how to la- do it, but is labeling the right solution here. Yeah. It's interesting um, too. Cause the, uh, in that, in that LinkedIn thread, every solution was like a legal solution, right? Like, Oh, yeah. let's call, call in the lawyers, right? Like, Oh, we need to make a law. And You know, it's like I'm skeptical that we. I'm skeptical that it can hold, right? And it's sort of like the Can Spam app, right? Like we've had the Can Spam app for what, like twenty years now, or something like that. Like the Can Spam, you know, Can Spam Act is like, all right, you got to have permission, can't, you know, spam people, but. You know, I mean, if you're you if you're if you're if you're a big enough target, you're going to get in, in trouble. In the meantime, it's just like everybody's spamming everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. I checked my inbox not... today looking for a document, and I had. I was like, oh wow, here's all this spam that I didn't even know I was getting. <laughs> yeah, just the spam so, have gotten a lot better. <laughs> right, and so the, Thank you, AI. you said it. Yeah, it, the so the the tech. The tech is actually at the end of the day, the tech is actually the better solution, right? It's like spam filters, like spam filters do a way better job of keeping the spam filtered out of Gmail than the can spam act. Yeah. Right. So, so that maybe it does make sense to kind of, I, I maybe, maybe kind of to get back a little step in terms of 
watermarking content just for a second, right? So if we think about that, I mean, if it is AI labeling AI, it might still be smart, but I think we underestimate the amount of data that it would need to have access to to do that, right? right? Mm -hmm. But it's probably like in terms of a technical solution, still the more feasible one in auto-labeling it, right? Like basically AI labeling itself is being generated. And we saw it a lot with GPT checkers, right? Like, I mean, the, the plagiarism checker is one of the biggest ones out there where it was at least fairly successful. Of course, you get into a situation where you say, you know, so I'm going to run it through a rewriter and then I'm going to run it through another rewriter, right? And I kind of put more steps and steps and steps in front. But the thing is, like, how, how many people or how many, let's say, bad actors do that on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, are you still going to reduce, let's say, 80% of it and that is a good first step? Or do you think guys think you know that's that's actually not worth it? So we should we should just look at completely different ways. I mean, I don't. I would love to have this discussion with some of the folks on the on the watermarking initiatives because, in my mind, like I don't understand how. Okay, you're going to watermark an image. Um, AI can come along and remove that watermark. In addition. Another AI could come along and potentially figure out how to spoof that watermark. Um, so I'm 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 not sure that I understand the solution as it holds. I also don't understand, and we've talked about this, like blockchain. It feels to me like the better like the better solution is a lookup. Right. Yeah. Like the better solution, the better solution is not trying to like the better solution is source of providence as opposed to like trying to track this image all over the Internet with a yeah. with with a watermark. So I don't it's, know. It's like it's so interesting. Bigger so brains than mine yeah, so it's interjected, but the provenance is a very interesting point. Even if we talked a lot about like blockchain and data integrity checkers, right, or or data authenticity through blockchain, right, the content authenticity integrity. There's a lot of these topics with like provenance on blockchain content being discussed right now. The challenge here is a very interesting one, and it was a similar discussion back when there was a lot of talks about automating. I don't know if you remember that in like the ICO days, where there was a lot of solutions out there to bring. Um, on-chain supply chain mechanisms, right? There was a lot of talk Somewhere. about like how can we track track something here, yeah, just some um, from beginning to end in the entire supply chain. And where it always broke down is that in the end you still have a human putting a tag on a thing, right? Like a human can be bought. A human is fallible. Like that's just the way this works. And so now I think about provenance on chain, and I I still need somebody to. I, I would love this concept to work. The challenge here is exactly the human part, right? Because yes, I can be my address putting that piece of content on it, but I can also get someone other's piece of content and put it there. I can slightly adjust it and change it. Like the actual, the actual, you know, putting that into practice would still probably go through a legal way. So I'm really curious how you would solve that. And I'm happy to have more conversations and be enlightened about it. But I have my challenges understanding where you can really yeah, I re get the I really wanna... aspect fully out of it. I want to get Melody Hildebrandt from fox on here and like we're gonna we're gonna unpack this and yeah like, let's unpack this you know let's, let's yeah. we, we, i want to un unpack it and, and figure it out because like yeah. it is there's something to it and you're I, yeah. you're 100 correct at the same time there are tools dams and otherwise that 
brands use for organizing all of the myriad of you know media and content that they are producing um so yeah it, it, it it's it's a fascinating subject we're going to come right. back to yeah it is it a technical sure. solution or is it another entity that actually needs to verify which sounds very cost inefficient right but like mm. it's a validating certification body or not and there's a lot of interesting talk about it. but yeah absolutely let's go on let's get the discussion going um speaking of like the, the, oh, go ahead. no just gonna round out like yeah those the solution the the right solution to the problem depends on the cost and opportunity cost right at the at the end of the day Absolutely. so a, cer a certifying body for you know a 50 dollars application fee may be really great value if you don't, don't have to go through then you know hundred thousand um, dollar you know court case later right Mm. And if you can get to like three bucks on a chain to do that, right, with a gas transaction as a foundation, that's probably even cheaper. So if we can find a way, that would be awesome. Speaking of like of like the whole fake and deception model here and faking content, I think one thing that was really interesting this week was the case where an AI stole, or well, we would say bad actors using an AI stole 25 million off a CFO of a company. It's a Hong Kong-based company. And basically... The scammers employed a deep fake AI on a Zoom call, um, basically more as a case study, right, to discuss sort of how dangerous the potential of AI is and how, how this thing unfolded, at least from, from what we know today, was basically the CFO got a, a mail from his co-CFO, right, which, which in and of itself, I think he still was, was like, okay, this is suspicious. So, you know, weird but there was a link to a zoom call in that in that session and in the email and so he clicked on it and he joined a zoom call and basically in the email it asked him to do a transaction or multiple transactions that rounded out to 100 what is it, 132 million hong kong dollars so 25 million us dollars and basically he needed to do a series of transactions he obviously doubted it clicked on the link and landed on the zoom call on the zoom call he had a lot of his colleagues talking on the zoom call talking about the transaction that he was supposed to do and kind of discussing the topic whereas he was like oh well you know i was obviously doubtful of that phishing attempt but now i have my colleagues here in a zoom call so i'm going to trust this and he did all of those transactions turns out all of that was fake so the email was spoofed wow. by AI and the colleagues on the call were deep fake AIs of his colleagues talking about it. And the the fascinating thing is I was I was in a I was working for a security startup for a couple of years and we discussed like phishing, phishing to the max, right? Because phishing is such a fascinating problem that we still haven't solved. Like as much as we improved sort of our boundaries to solving phishing, the phishing attempts just get a lot more complex and the interesting most interesting thing is if your target is valuable enough, you would go a long way to get all of that data, right? Like in the earlier days, it was social engineering. You would do the classical thing of actually going through the bins and trying to find information about sort of the people that you're trying to target. Now you have AI and you can have fabricated all for you. So basically now if you find a snippet or an interview of your colleagues somewhere online and you spoof their voices, you can regenerate their faces like us here being on a podcast, right? We can totally be deep faked and put together in a call and we could be in a call with us together for five minutes and convince us to send money there. We need, we need a password. We do. We do. Don't say your safe word on this podcast. Dude, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's, let's talk afterwards. Get that safe word set up. 
Yeah, everybody yeah. listening, this is your moment in time to get a safe word with your family. <laughs> yeah, get a safe word with it. I've, I've it actually is. been getting ready to do that for sure. Because that, that's, I mean, that's the other, I mean, $25 million, and that's like sort of the extreme scenario. We've, we've talked about the scenario where, um, you, you know, where like uh, granddaughter calls grandma, hey, I need, a, you know, I'm stuck. I need a credit card, um, you know uh can can you give me a card so that way i can you know get my car out of uh out of the shop or whatever right and it's like like all of a sudden like what we see and what we trust even on the most basic level is going to be you know just called into question right like I would have never yeah. imagined that I couldn't, you know, that that uh, like my mom could re- receive a call from me asking for money and it's not me. Like I've never imagined that. Like until until the past couple of years, it's like wow, that that is that's that it's incredibly scary. Um, and this is this, this is interesting. That what's interesting is that they deep faked all of his colleagues. Yeah, that's the extra mile right there. The the Ooh. the scam of asking asking the cfo to pay the invoice is is like the scam in business right that is the the scam that's re- results in it's in billions of dollars uh mm. lost every every year and it's just it's the most simple thing of the cfo or an admin hey pay this invoice right 25 million shooting shooting big 25 million is worth setting up and paying for 10 zoom accounts and and training 10 ai coworkers to go chatter on a script that you wrote with gpt about the about the deal and then the human in the middle here the cfo going oh well i must have missed a message somewhere about this but i don't want to look dumb and like ask the basic questions and it seems mm-hmm. to be a real thing and i don't want to come blow it up so uh, i better get I better get this done right i don't want to look like i'm not doing my job yeah and and uh you know human human rights check jeez yeah so- like that that that's what I mean with like phishing attempts, right? Like it does, it's in the end, it always boils down to sort of the, the, the human aspect, right? You can make the, the technology as much as, as good as you can. The question is how now looking at the new era of AI, I was wondering how would you have prevented that scenario, right? Like looking through a security lens or through any, any employee training, right? Which would be, I guess, your classic here, right? But how would you train that? And I mean, it is a trained role as a CFO. It's certainly not the first time they've seen a scam, like you said, Kevin, right? Like, how how should companies act? So this is a you know one one thing, some flavor of this. So thinking through this here on the the fly, one flavor of this is when I get an email from a service provider, let's say a bank, right? Let's say a financial institution. I uh, you know advise my 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 wife in a very similar manner of great so you've got like a prompt coming at you from a financial institution it may like it may or may not be real so approach it with some skepticism but if it is real go directly to said website of financial institution and log in there and then move forward with whatever the thing the alert is the transaction whatever it is you know, don't trust a link in an email, for example. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm calling out something of a basic phishing attack here, right? So what do you mm-hmm. do when your, vi- your your visual and your voice can be fake like that? What's the, what's the equivalent of just go straight to the website? So is it pulling people into uh, you know, encrypted messaging services that 
that wouldn't be able to be faked and and you know at it would be as hard as needing to have possession of the device of a person so now you're back to like wrench attack compromising of someone not basic phishing attack mm -hmm. and and so anything that's of, of question or of certain financial values say yeah yeah great so hit me up on you know insert your encrypted you know messaging service you like to use here and once i get that then i'll i'll totally clear this and now that's like standard operating procedure and everything else is considered compromised right by, yeah, it's, by, it's, by default yeah 100 yeah and it's interesting right because like okay if we, if we talk about the technical solution and i think this would also be on platforms like zoom like if we like there's some of the tools that we are using for like securing securely exchanging secrets like keybase or other tools right that allow you basically have a standard and we've had this for decades right like a public private key infrastructure that you can work with right so if zoom would start employing that where uh, users had a phone right with their private key on them so they can sign when they join the call basically and at that point zoom displays a little you know a lock icon or a secure icon on the zoom call saying mm. that this is actually the person that pretends to be the person on this call right that would go a long mm. way like i mean we have we have our devices yeah. we have our phones they can hold our private keys very well right and so can my laptop or any other machine and so as soon as you have a private key infrastructure to do that that goes a long way and that was actually like part of the beauty also if you think about like how blockchain works right as an example public private key infrastructure that's all that mm. is in the essence for us to allow doing that and we've had signing and all of these things for ages but it just hasn't gotten into the mainstream yet. And so I, my assumption would be that we're going to hopefully see a lot more of, you know, P PKI in, in practice and more in consumer tech, because I think it's just necessary for authenticity. Yes, and yes, integrity. yes. And it, it, I think it needs to go one step further of an allow list version of that. So, you know, Calvin comes onto the call and signs, but it's Calvin with an I instead of an L. And I just looked right past it, but you're, you're, you're who you are, but you're not who I think you are. And so yeah. still that allow list of, okay, I'm expecting one of these hundred people within my organization. And if they sign, I'm, I'm good. And so maybe it's just the same of, you know, one step further of, yeah, this is who it is, who you think it is. And then this is certifying they're in the org that you think that they're in. So just a little, a yeah. little bit further there. And that's where I went to the other direction of, Hey, DM me on the thing that only both of us know about and, and have uh, yeah. a one-to-one -one communication on. So I know I'm talking to who I think I'm talking to, right? So I can yeah. get spoofed and faked the very first time, but, uh, but assume I already have established a trusting relationship with Calvin's public private key pair, like you're talking about, then I know anything that comes from that is, is yeah. trusted communication. Right? Yeah, that, that's how we would do three-way secure communication regardless right that's that's how we do it in all of our communications today is right you know i have my public and my private key right we each exchange messages with a with a signer so that i know the message comes from you i sign the message back goes back to you so now we have a secure channel right so now i know that you've actually sent me that message you know that i've actually sent your extra message back so now we can talk to each other right? but the thing is yeah that's the, that's the tech under it right but i think like tools like zoom and stuff need to act and display that properly visually in all of mm. their platform tools because this is where users are going to see it right no one's going to like look up their keys mm. someplace right so and getting that authenticity yeah. and getting that registered will be a huge step probably um, I'm, I'm excited the to difference see some between of these things coming out of the woodwork yeah the difference in our some of our experiences and consumer experiences between the challenges of discord usernames that looked like roughly what you thought they were going to be and they and they weren't 
and then using you know public of of uh, crypto wallet addresses where you then can display the first and four first four last four uh, uh, characters of that uh, wallet address or the you know, ENS name tied to that and have much higher confidence this is what I expected to see uh, and someone's not just spoofing with some characters uh, or or change their display name uh, and and to, to look like who I think they they are right yeah yeah that's I mean and so I, I think that the only way out there is keys for sure that's the only way where you can tie this to keys so otherwise you know that but probably the organization needs to provision them and there's like a lot of a lot of not synchronous to sort out. The interesting thing is, on they they also said, and I think it's still not clear, and I don't think they have released all the information on it. It's like how many of the participants of the call were faked and recorded in advance, or was it actually live? I doubt that it was live, right? Like any, any, I mean, tools like Agent have introduced streaming avatars, right? So we're kind of getting to the point. I don't think we're at the point just yet where they could have streamed the entire video but i think there's some some reports say they assume that they have recorded that and actually there was just one or two fake colleagues on the call and then they had other people actively join the call who were you know just like unknown so probably the CEO was on the call and be like yeah i know these two guys the other three i don't but that's fine right um mm -hmm. so they must have used some fairly interesting mix to to get to that which I'm curious to see what, what more comes from that story. Um, but yeah, it definitely leads us to like sort of the ethical, the ethical question in general of AI, right? And how, how we kind of interact with, with these machines now going forward. Yeah. I mean, continuing on, right. The, the ethical boundaries and, and human forgiveness is, you know, this article that I wanted to share a little bit about, uh, uh DHH, one of the co-founders of 37Signals uh, behind Basecamp, uh, and actually once now as well, a software company, posted a, an article um, that it's, it's easier to f forgive a human than a robot is what it's, what it's called, and really specifically uses a very visceral example of uh, autonomous driving. And, and so, Dave, what if I told you we could save 10,000 lives this year? From reducing car accidents, uh, yeah, autonomous cars only have to be twenty-five percent better than human drivers. Back in you know twenty twenty-two, reported forty mm -hmm. just about forty-three thousand people tragically died in car accidents. Forty-three thousand people. So if a if a if everyone had an autonomous car, it wouldn't even take everybody. Let's but let's assume then. The car only has to be 25% better than human drivers, and we save 10,000 lives. That would be that 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 would be very meaningful to a lot of very specific people. If it was 50% better, it'd save 20,000 lives, right? But let's go with the 25% number. So we're 25% better, save 10,000 lives. But everybody's in a, a self-driving car. Those self-driving cars now killed 33,000 people. Right. Will you forgive the 33,000 people that self-driving cars tragically killed, even though we oh, saved yeah. 10,000 people statistically? That sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot of people. If it said, if there was a headline that read, uh, Tesla car cars kill 33,000 people last year, ooh, stock price go down, right? right? That's hard to swallow. But rationally, it, it is like phenomenal for society. So 
know, all that is using that visceral example. It's easier to forgive a human than it is to forgive a robot. You expect perfection from the robot. So not 25% better, not 50% better, magnitude better. It needs to be uh, 10x better. It needs to be 100x better. And we've even seen this out play out already with um, some of the other autonomous car companies that have had a couple different accidents in a couple different ways, and they make headlines every single time. And and that's, you know, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but let's call it a dozen headlines or something like that. And pretty often it makes a headline. I don't, I don't think uh, there's an unreported, I don't think there's an unreported self-driving accident, right? So let's, let's call it pretty close to every single one of them is reported. And I can think of like a dozen. And we're talking about like 43,000 in a year. Whew. So not, I don't know. That's a big it. hurdle to climb. But so, yeah, what does that mean? How do we, how do we leverage this technology without having such a binary decision in front of us? Well, I mean, I, first of all, it probably, you know, slow, slows the role for on, you know, AI taking over everything, right? Which is ultimately, the, the I think, the point of, of DHH article is like, I mean, things are not going to change as quickly as y'all pundits want to put down, you know, mm-hmm. strictly because like humans, because it's a human dilemma. It's not a technology, you know, it's not a, necessarily a technology dilemma. It's a, it's a human dilemma. dilemma. And um, it's interesting. I mean, we've been, as Calvin knows here, we've been sort of deeply playing around with content, right? And anybody who's sort of played around in chat GPT for a little while and, and, or, 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 or there's, there's sort of this, like, or even mid journey, like there's a, oh, wow, that's amazing. Eh, but it's not quite there yet. Right. It's still like, eh, you know, and I think that our expectations are so high at this stage. I mean, our, our expectations in terms of, you know, especially after like millions of dollars in, you know, in Super Bowl ads just in the past week, like millions of dollars in like the most amazing photography and brand creation and video creation and media creation for, for, um, 50 years not even like and i mean even before even before the internet right i mean we've been creating really great like ogilvy level content for so long like our expectation is really high um for what great copywriting is what great images are what great um video is what great storytelling is especially when it comes to like the, the, the the big the broad public that's right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it is. Um, so, and you sort of look, you know, even though, yeah, something might save 95% of the time, it still is not good enough for, you know, our human brains to go, yeah, that's cool. You know, uh, uh, that, that, that is worth consuming. Um, and it's so, it's interesting. I mean, there's going to, as we sort of look out in the future, this, it, the, the 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 trough of disillusionment also is going to i think look a lot like uh a a pendulum swing back to 
the appreciation for human creative for human creatives right and, and and whatever that what in, in all its form that's that's kind of a beautiful thing i i think as well like yeah. i think that um you know Ooh, and, and has to swing you know yeah you can't you can't twist the fabric of reality that much and not expect it to kind of you know bounce back a bit and strike at you on some artisanal human content <laughs> i mean <laughs> Yeah, I, I watched I watched Poor Things last night. Have you guys seen Poor Things, the movie? Not yet, mm-hmm. no. No, I would highly recommend to have a look. It's the same same um, producer that did The Lobster, what kind of the, the big waves in what is it, 2017? Um, have, yeah. have, have a look. I can highly recommend. It's like with with Amazon, a couple of very like it's William Defoe. It's quite a high cast. And what's what's super interesting about it though is that it's incredibly artsy and raw and wild and like human artistic creation mm-hmm. but like on the highest hollywood level which i've seen a lot more coming out like if you look at like i don't know some of the recent wes anderson movies like asteroid city or you know he's done mm-hmm. on netflix he's done the royal yep. doll short series right and like you see all of mm-hmm. these which are a lot more like this you know cinema like this art cinema vibes of like you know so somewhere like 2030s uh, 1930s ish like when a movie just came around it's like this raw human essence of creation you can really see this it's more like in sort of this this side movement that is anti-ai and if you see how they did the um i saw a sort of behind the scenes how they how they did it right they they didn't create the if you see the movie there's a there's a ship on on the on the wide ocean and they didn't create it in post pro but they actually created an entire 3d curved led screen around the ship set to do the sky and and the waves and whatnot so like wild um and you can kind of almost see this like resurgence of like you said right this this raw rough creation right we, we're so we're being so fed with the beautiful stuff that ai creates and now we're going back to like give me the Give me the raw human vibes, and I think that's a very mm. interesting trend, right? Fascinating. Yeah, I trend. love that. I, I love watching, like even like design, like and if you like watch watch like trends and design, right, and like typefaces and you know colors and like oh here's gradients or here's like you know retro monotypes and whatnot. It's really interesting to see, um, watch the ebb and flow of design and i think you're call what you're calling out is like yeah there's gonna there's gonna be a pushback to sort of this like perfect design that has some level of of raw human watermark right um embedded in it right like that it's like yeah you know try like you know hey robot watch this right Uh, yeah yeah so so what's going to happen next right if you play this to the next step right the interesting question here is okay so this it it almost seems like it could it could go two ways right you could see if you look at ai and humans right and you look at this it's a very i'm just going to paint this as a very black and white picture for a second so it could be like this resurgence like you just said it's a resurgence of artistic creation and how you want to see it great it could also be that humans are sort of like resorting to the corner that ai hasn't captured yet right so they kind of this area becomes smaller and smaller and smaller so you're looking at you know more raw more rough content because ai like mid-journey has been fed with so much high professional awesome photography content 
And now imagine what this does to the scene, right? Now you have kind of devalued professional photographers, but you massively increase the value of authentic content of me just on my phone running through the, the woods. <laughs> so yeah. isn't that, that's just wild, yeah. right? We've spent all of the last decades trying to get quality to the highest possible level, excelling at our skills. Now AI gets there and we're like, okay, you know what? F this. I, I'm just going it, to go and back do the down. worst yeah. possible quality I can. So, but, but is There's... AI, so the, the question to you guys is like, is AI going to follow suit? Like we've seen some examples with Meta where they try to train it on stories, right? They're trying to train the model on like story content. So like, where's this going to mm -hmm. go, right? Are we going to see AI catching up in that direction? Like, are we going to resort further? Where's this going? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, we started out the conversation basically with deep fakes that are good enough to, so it's good enough that it can, tr you know, that with the right sort of social engineering, Hollywood, you know, puppeteers, we can, we can fool a CFO into giving up $25 million. Um, on the, on the flip side, like it's not good enough for people at large to sort of like accept it as art right um so it's it, it it is we're sort of in this strange place where it's not not it's both and right um and it'll be really you know i think it's gonna it's gonna take time uh we're not there yet we're still we're still very early right and so but at some point you just you you have to assume that the that the technology is going to be better and better at storytelling, right? Storytelling, it, it, there's maybe a couple of different aspects like that. Storytelling is part of it, but the admirable thing that humans like about other humans being successful is think about the documentaries that are made. It's about the people that master their craft, they've put in this time, they've done it over years and decades, and you can see out of an output, we're talking about art, but think about sports and think about any other type of craft where you go, wow, that is high quality because the person working on that has put in so much effort. Jiro loves sushi, right? Great documentary. I like sushi. I've never had his sushi, but I would go, wow, that guy is a master craftsman of his mm -hmm. work right just sticking with the the art side of it so i think there's that part i think there's human connection to i i know that someone has put time into this his, his master their craft and so historically we've, we've judged that by quality being the barometer of wow that must have took a lot of time both directly and then indirectly over a long period of time is how we've, we've judged that again going back to visually glancing at something and trying to make a judgment call about it the other direction and the rawness, I think about um, the photographer, uh, you know, Drifter that we that we, uh, that we know. Drifter shoots on Twitter, and he climbs buildings and towers and just ridiculous situations, and takes a picture of his vans hanging off the edge as he dangles his feet off the edge of some you know, multi you know, hundred story building or tower. And why that's interesting is because I know there's a human on the other side of that picture. There's a human on the other side of that video. That wasn't generated by AI going, what's the perspective from the top of the Sears Tower? It, there's, there's, you know, 
life and limb being risked yeah. that piece of content, right? To get that artwork. And so again, it's it's a it's a little bit of column A of mastery and a little bit of column B of rawness that makes it valuable and, and different than um, if we took a, a if we trained a model on all of his work to date, we collectively on this team could absolutely give you another image where you'd go, yeah, that looks like one of his images, but the story behind it and the provenance of it would not be that he he climbed to the top of a building to take that picture, right? So it becomes boring at that point. And so so where where is the difference, right? Like where exactly is the difference? And I'm, I'm, my, my hunch is that AI is going to, like, or I think the developers of models are going to probably shift more towards understanding what actually drives people's emotions. And we've already talked about this, I think, in one of the previous podcasts, that there's more and more studies on, like, sort of the emotional analysis and, like, going more to the fine-tuned details because we're so... Humans are so good at seeing micro interactions in our faces, right? They're so micro that are really hard to tell still for an AI. And I'm not talking about happy or sad. I'm talking about, oh, this one word that I used was off-putting, right? Like that's mm. what we talked about before, that nuance of it looks great, but there's this one little thing that's off, so I hate it, <laughs> right? Mm. And I, like when I when I built, the, so I built these, these AI audiograms the last couple of days, right? And I was spent... A lot of time like really getting to that level i'm kind of i'm kind of happy with the result that we had now but it took a lot of work to get to the state of producing something that feels like a human i'm not saying it sounds like a human i'm saying it feels like a human which is a vast difference yep. because humans aren't perfect like far from it right like in, no. in spoken word that is we make like uneven pauses we stutter right. right we repeat words not just arms and arms but we do all sorts of yeah. things that make it very inefficient in speaking uh, unless we're like trained professional speakers but like all of these things and so is is the shift in ai that we could potentially see is the models shifting a lot more towards that because in the end for any organization to keep let's let's look past the initial hype for any ai co company that's out there now that is producing content they do need to rely on the broader public and kind of cross the chasm of going into people feel that and want to see the content. Mm -hmm. So isn't then the only way to have those models move closer into understanding what evokes emotions in us and what is off-putting and reacting to that? Yeah, that's, that's interesting for sure. And a, a, fla a flavor of that and going back to the forgiveness you know, question here in the art article itself, it, we've seen it done in the past with uh, anthropomorphizing it, right? Of, hey, take an object and make it look like a human. So, you know, Wally's got eyes and, and a mouth and, and, you know, moves like a human, as an example, to create emotion, like you're talking about, to, to further mimic a part that, w that helps our brains signal and go, okay, well, that's, that's close enough. It's closer to one of us. It invokes emotion and now I will be more receptive to its message. Now I will be more forgiving to its mistakes it may may make because it seems to be uh, it's expressing um, a remorse, right? Even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't feel remorse, if it if I think it's expressing remorse, I would be more likely to to forgive it. So Calvin, anything that you can create in a, a model, be it audio or video, right, uh, to 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 express remorse in a way that I would accept gets past a lot of forgiveness, right? Yeah, emotional yeah. emotional undertone and emotional tags are one of the highest voted request feature requests on Eleven Labs at the moment. 
I mean, it, it, you know, we've sort of been in this state for like 20 years like this um, where we are driving into postmodernism, right? So which is basically, if you, you know, which is basically the, the idea around postmodernism for those who don't know is basically when you, when, when everything contains some level of truth, what do you trust? Right. And we've, 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 as a, as a society, we've been moving closer and closer in that direction. It's, it's just whatever, like it, it's, it has nothing to do with AI. It has to do with like media and the abundance of ads and the abundance of messages and the abundance of, um, you know, uh, uh, pol- politicians just like spinning this thing or spinning that thing. And like the, like, overwhelming consumption of media has created and not only that but also like for you know for a first time ever we can literally go to any country anywhere any culture you know and uh see that they have a different point of view than we've had right and so it's interesting because what the result of all of that um of of all that variety of messaging and all of that is that of, of all that sort of um uh proliferation of information and consequently the human psyche going well what do i trust what do i not trust is ultimately i think what we're we've seen is and i think that the digital natives and you know the the kids are and we've, we've seen this uh inside the communities that we've that we've worked in 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 in, in, in props and whatnot is like they don't trust anything like they like they literally they only thing that they trust is because you know psych said so (laughs) it's like it is it is person it is trust based on person to person as opposed to which is a very different landscape for how humans have operated for the last hundred thousand years or something like that, right. Throughout our evolution, which is, you know, where we'd be able to like, look around and I had a community and we all sort of believed the same thing. And we all sort of came from the same place. And we all sort of, you know, had a shared understanding of the world. Like now humans shared understanding of the world is shattered. And so the only thing that really matters like is, is here's a person that, uh, that I trust. And what do they say? And if they say it's cool, then it's cool. If they say it's not cool, then it's not cool. Um, and it's, it really it's going back to the Dunbar, to the Dunbar number, right? Staying below your 140 contacts around you, and that is your trust circle. That is what yeah. you fundamentally rely yep. on. Not the scale that you're looking at, not the scale of the views. We've seen that with testimonials and reviews and all of that, right? It's now that everything can be fabricated. Like the, the person I will trust most is the one sitting next to me that I've known for 20 years, and like I've like right. the past, right? And like the on the, the, the internet is becoming in a weird way less trusted. It is. And Dave, t- to your point, human human history is call it ten thousand years old. I like I like Kurt Skaza's definition of that. So collective human history is like ten thousand years. In the last two decades, we've went from only on, so like in that ten thousand years, in the last twenty years, we've moved from hyper-local tribes to the entire world could be part of your your tribe. You can still only hold 150 people in your tribe, 
but it can be literally anyone. So all throughout human history, just up until very, very recently in that grand scheme, it has been the people you can look in the eyes right by you are your tribe and they you trust them to you you trust them as the default and yeah. you trust them the majority of the degree right that people your neighbor will break your trust and that type of thing but you trust them by default and and why and you couldn't afford the penalty was too high uh to to both not trust and to break the trust because right. you were in such close proximity and it's still, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't as bad as, as you were completely banished from the tribe and go off into the wilderness. But to equivalently be banished from the neighborhood block party is the same, same thing. And now that's just not a, that's not a thing anymore. Gen Z doesn't have the block party tribe or isn't the only yeah. or the primary, you know, gravity of their, of their trust circle. And a lot of times it's not even either. Yeah. And and a lot of times it's like, you don't even need to know their name. Like there, it is, it is, it is a, uh, you know, trust more and more is not necessarily even knowing their name or not necessarily even knowing like what they look like or where they're from, you know, and it's, you know, this is sort of block blockchain, right? Like, it's like, I, I trust them because they have this history on chain and I, they have this history inside of, you know, Twitter, they have X number of other followers or they have this history inside of discord. Um, and that's why they're trusted. Not necessarily because it, it doesn't matter where they're from. You'd be from anywhere worldwide. Like, I don't, you know, we don't we don't care as long as 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 long as they got vibes yeah the, the vibes and, and the goal of the goal of <laughs> the goal of blockchain and most protocols is to literally build something that's trustless right. as well so even if you come for the vibes you don't have to even trust the person if you trust the protocol and the technology in between yeah right. if you trust the history of transactions that's a that's yeah. a very good point I think I think we touched on a lot of very exciting topics today. I think like the maybe if we can leave sort of the audience with 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 one question out of all of the ethics that we've discussed, um, you know, I'd be super curious, you know, like where is the AI ethics taking us? How how are we going to bring that, you know, to a level where um, we can make use of the power of AI without kind of scaring people away? Right? I think that's one of the big things that I'm seeing here because of all of the danger and the potential. Um, any other last thoughts from you guys? Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's really interesting. Um, it's over and over and over again, what we're seeing is like AI being slowly um, weaving its tentacles into many, many, many products. Right. And we've said this before. It's like the best, the best AI, um, doesn't look like AI, right? Like you don't, you don't really, it's not called AI. It's, it it is, it is, it, it, all it does is like, it makes an interesting, useful experience. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting, uh, as the, you know, as the progression keeps moving forward. Uh, sort of where are the lines where human trust and, and whatever the experience is 
whether, you know, meet up and where do people, you know, go, Oh yeah, here, take my $25 million. Um, or like, you know, um, and you know, whether that is just, you know, humans making the call shot or whether it's technologies making the, the call shot. Um, I think increasingly it's going to be harder and harder for humans to make the, make the differentiation. Um, and the, you know, the yep. danger in all that is humans ultimately trust nothing and are become more and more tribalistic um, in kind of dangerous ways. Um, you know, we've already seen that in politics a little bit. So I'm, I'm not, yeah, I wish, yeah. I wish I had a rose, rosy picture to paint, <laughs> but I'm not sure that I do. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would echo some of that as well of, Take your, just like everything else, take your security into your own hands to to help mitigate some risk. So for real, everybody go to your family members and have a password, a verbal password you've never said or written down anywhere else. Like go, go do that this weekend. Uh, that's your that's your homework. But keep an, I'd ask that everyone keeps an open mind of, of how and where this technology could be applied and just like a lot of other areas of societal change, try to do first principles thinking and research on it. I think the you know example of the the autonomous car driving from from uh, DHH is a really a really great one. Rational, yeah. statistical, first principle thinking is this is a no brainer. We got to make this happen like yesterday. And every mm-hmm. every year that we don't, every two years that we don't, we're another hundred thousand people down from this planet, right? That, that, and, and uh, stolen those experiences. So how asking the first principles questions and then asking how can you, how can you, how can others help implement that societal change and, and uh, be the change you want to see in the world, echo that out there to, to be one of the voices to help that, that spread. Perfect. I think that's a, that's a great, great note to end on. Um, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Um, that was another episode of the What If We Could show. Um, as always, if you're interested in finding the news on a day-to-day basis, head over to meshmesh.io and subscribe to the newsletter. You'll be getting a daily AI-powered newsletter with all the things that excite us and hopefully you too. And see you next time. Thank you, thank you. Happy Valentine's thanks. Day. Happy Valentine's Day.